Well, folks, so good to have all of you here today. And uh, we're beginning our Christmas journey now. And so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what God's up to in this Christmas season. Cool. But uh, thinking about Christmas, and I know that uh, I know your thoughts have been there already. I can tell by the number of vehicles in the mall that uh, you're all thinking about Christmas these days. Uh, this day, uh, I'd like to read for you a passage. And if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there. Isaiah chapter 40. There are many passages in the Old Testament that speak about Jesus coming. And their Christmas passage just as much as the stories about Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the, the Magi. And uh, here's Isaiah looking ahead to what Messiah Jesus would bring. So Isaiah chapter 40, and we're going to read snippets of verses 6 to 11. And here's what it says. Shout. A voice says shout. I asked, what should I shout? Shout that people are like the grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord, and so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout it from the mountaintops. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming. In power, he will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, hold them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. So, this year we're talking about how can we make Christmas simple, and we're focusing here on the simple story of what makes Christmas so powerful. Uh, what boiling it all down into the, to, to the, the most essential parts. Because really, isn't it true that it's so easy in this Christmas season for our to lose our heads and get rushed up in the busyness, uh, the complications of the season? What would it be like for Christmas to be simple and uncomplicated and unhurried? Uh, I was thinking of the story, this old, old legend that the Italians have uh, about a woman named Bethana. And she lived along the dusty roads that led to Bethlehem. It's an old legend. And she was her, what she was known for in her village, she was the village's best housekeeper. She was meticulous. All right? She, you know, she sought out that dirt and she annihilated it always. And there was no small task because on the road to Bethlehem, a lot of dust would get kicked up. Late one night, it said that there was a knock at the door. And she opened the door, and she found three kings, three wise men, three magi, in search of a baby who was born to be king of the Jews, the prince of peace. And frankly, uh, while she should have been totally blown away by that news and said, just one second, let me get my coat, I'm out of here, I'm going to come with you. No, her eyes were only on the dust that the, the, the magi tracked into the house. The dirt on their boots and the dirt on their clothes. And they asked to rest a while. And she was a good host. And and, and she invited them to join her uh, inside. But after, when they invited her to join them on the journey, she said she'd love to do that. But they've tracked in so much dirt 
that, you know, I got to take care of this dirt first, but after I'm done cleaning, I'll come join you later. And this legend goes that because of that, that she missed out on the birth of Jesus. Now, we know that's not a real story, but I think that's a parable that really hit home with me as I read about that this week. Because it's a parable about how the lots of ways that we get busy and hurried and the complications that we have around Christmas, it's really easy to lose Jesus and all of that. And we don't want to do that, right? Because Jesus is the center of it all. So we want to ask in this Christmas season, we don't want to miss Jesus. How are you going to make Jesus the focus of your Christmas? And I, I, I want to tell you the whole goal of it is that you know, Bafana and that old legend, she missed out on a great opportunity. Her life could have been changed forever if she had met Jesus and found him in the manger, just like all the other characters did. But she missed it. Uh, which just reminds me, don't forget, don't forget that our mission here, our why, why we exist is to lead people to Jesus so they can have changed lives. It's all about the change. And uh, we believe that you can try your hardest to change your life and to change your habits. But you know what? Nothing will change your life like finding Jesus. And that's what we want to do in this Christmas season. Uh, So let's unpack a little bit about what Isaiah talked about in terms of how a life gets changed by meeting Jesus. One of the first things that I always see when I look at this passage is how... Life is, was so hard for those people back then. I don't know if you noticed it. All of the phrases that speak about the, the difficulty of life. And he wasn't just talking theoretically, Isaiah, when he wrote these words. These were people that this message was written to who, whose lives were filled with hardship and struggle. This was written when Israel was in captivity in Babylon. So they were essentially slaves who were captive. Their lives were not their own. Life was hard. And, and so it felt like they were, if, if they were like fruit on a tree, they were withering on that vine. And, and in that, they had the question, I think, that came to their mind so often that these passages are written to. When life was hard, where are you, God? God, have you given up on us? Have you broken your covenant? God, you promised that life wasn't going to be this way. You promised us that we were going to be in our own land and we were going to be prosperous. And... God, what happened to all of that? Did you break your promise? And in the midst of it, you see all these words in Isaiah 40 that speak about hardship. Well, the first word that that if you read in verse 1, talks about comfort. Well, you don't need comfort if everything's good, right? You need comfort when there's crisis, when life is in chaos. It talks about, in verse 1, sad days or hard labor. It talks about sins. Uh, It talks about, in in verses 2 and 3, it uses the words of wilderness, curved roads, wasteland, valleys. Uh, It goes on to talk about rough places. And then it talks about us being like a a, a beautiful flower that fades and withers. These are hard, gritty images that point to how hard life can be. And the truth of the matter is, stacked up alongside how great God is, that we fade. Our bodies, they fade. We get sick. Our spirits fall. We fall into temptation. Our habits get the best of us way too often. 
life is fragile. Life is fragile. Uh, yesterday, I had the, the amazing experience for me to be a part of a memorial service that took place at one of the local funeral homes. And they came and they asked me if I would share a little bit about our hope in this Christmas season. And what a joy that it was to do that. But at the same time, I was recognizing that for a lot of people, you know, we say that words, it just sort of rolls off our tongue, Merry Christmas. We speak about joy and we speak about peace and all of these good things. But you know what? When I was there in that room, I had the, I had the, the, the feeling that came over me that it's not easy for a lot of people at Christmas time. It's not merry. It's not joyful. It's not peaceful. It's hard. There's grief. There's loss, right? I mean, I don't want to put a downer into your Christmas uh, you know, balloon. I don't want to pop that Christmas balloon for you. But this is the truth of the matter. And sometimes, uh, sometimes the smiles that we have or the, the merry feelings, the joy and the peace, we're kind of, if we're being honest, faking it. Isn't it true? Right? You fake it. Just like every time somebody asks you, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. Right? A lot of the times we're just faking it. But the truth of the matter, and God knows this. God's recognizing this with his people. Life is hard for you. And of course, it's going to make you ask that question quite often. Where are you, God? God, have you given up on me? The promises that you made about the kind of life that I was supposed to have, life that's abundant, life that's full. God, where did that go? And Isaiah, as he hears God's voice, there's an answer. And the answer is just simply this, that God shows up. He always shows up in the middle of the chaos. Over and over in this passage, actually a couple of times, it it says that God is here. You you saw that in the passage that, that we looked at there. Um, In in verse 9, it talks about, tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming. And that was a promise, just like so many of the promises in the Old Testament, that was pointing to Jesus. Uh, The only person that I know of in all of history whose birth was announced hundreds of years before he was ever born. That's what Isaiah is doing. He's saying there's someone who is coming that's going to answer that question, where is your God? And, and, and we know, he spoke about <clears throat> how this person is going to be, bring righteousness and justice and peace. He's going to be uh, the prince of peace. He's going to be wonderful counselor. He's going to be mighty God. And that came true in Jesus. He was born in a stable in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Your God is here. He is here. God has come. And because of that, there's all these promises. You see, in the passage, especially in verse 11, it speaks about all these promises, uh, in verse 10 especially, uh, too, that he's going to rule with a powerful arm. And if you're ever wondering, you know, what's, what does that mean, right? Um, I, I, I kind of read this week, it kind of turned on some lights for me, that whenever you talk about uh, God's powerful right arm, it's like, you know, this idea about rolling up your sleeves to get down to business, Right? Uh, I think that image is there, that God rolled up his sleeve, and he said, I'm going to come down there. I'm going to do business amongst these people. And he's going to rule with a powerful arm. He's going to bring his reward with him. We're going to unpack that in just a minute. And this idea that God is a shepherd. Now, I think that we kind of take that for granted because that's one of the earliest images uh, in, in Christian faith, is the idea of the good shepherd. And 
Isaiah begins to develop it here that God is going to be like a shepherd who protects you and who cares for you. The warrior shepherd who, when there are dangers, when there are enemies, he'll fight for you. He'll protect you like David did from his flock. And at the same time, he'll tenderly care for you. We have these beautiful images about how he'll carry you close to his heart. That's the answer to where are you, God? God is the good shepherd that will carry you close to his heart. And I'm praying this Christmas season that there are going to be moments that of just keen awareness where you truly start to see God show up. Because I don't think the problem in my life is that God doesn't show up. I think the problem more for me, and maybe you can relate to me on this one, is that I don't see it. I don't notice it. I'm too worried about cleaning up the dust in the room. Well, I'm not really, I'm not really that fastidious for sure. But you know the metaphor, right? That we were carrying back earlier, right? I'm too busy being distracted by other stuff. And I miss out on what God is doing. That God, he's shown up, right? He's spoken to me already and I missed it. Do you guys ever feel like that? I do all the time. I look back on the day and say, oh my word, what did I miss, God? All the stuff that you were doing. And so catching where God shows up is an absolutely vital part of focusing in this Christmas season. And in the end, uh, what I love about what Isaiah talks about is that we have life-changing good news. Uh, Did you notice that movement in the passage that says, okay, now that you've heard this good news, you're a herald, you're a messenger. O Zion, it says in verse 9, messenger of good news. Shout it from the mountaintops. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and don't be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah you're coming. And it's this idea of being like a a herald. Uh, We don't really get that these days. We don't have uh, those sorts of things. Closest thing we had maybe generations ago was a town crier, right? And in in fact, there's a friend of our congregation. uh, He's here in the summertime. Frank Gorham. And that was one of his roles. He was the town crier. But the idea was to shout it loud. And if you have been rescued by the good news of Jesus, that's your task this Christmas season. But, but don't skip too far ahead. Because I think really vital in experiencing God's life-changing power is to, to actually surrender your heart to Jesus first. You can't tell somebody about something you haven't experienced yourself, Right? I can't recommend a restaurant I've never been to. Uh, I can't recommend, you know, a, 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 a tourist attraction that I've never been to. And in more importantly, like a thousand times, a million times greater, I can't recommend God to people if I haven't experienced God's forgiveness myself. And, and I think that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to show up in your life with his reward. Do you see that in the passage? He's going to bring his reward with, with, with him. And... Verse 1 speaks about what that reward is. Tell her that her sad days are gone and that her sins are pardoned. Don't ever forget why Jesus came. He came to die for you on the cross. He came to switch places with you. All of their sin and all of your wrong, he came to carry it. It was nailed with him on the cross. God came to sacrifice himself. God pays the debt that life creates. Now, uh, Micah uh, passed along to me something that I think I'd caught in the news a while ago. And, and it made a lot of news. Some people thought it was great. Other people thought it was inappropriate. Uh, I don't know if you heard about uh, 
you know, one of the sad cases in the States where police officers have acted inappropriately and made bad decisions and people's lives have been taken because of it. Uh, well, there's kind of this famous case uh, with one of the, uh, with, a, with a traffic, not a traffic, uh, a police officer. And so she was convicted of wrongful behavior, which I believe led to the death of someone. But what really caught the attention of everybody, uh, even around the world, was what happened at the trial. I'm not going to describe it a whole lot. You'll, you might have picked up on it yourself. But I want you to take a look at what the judge did in this case. Okay, So when everything was all over, I want you to take a look at what the judge did. Because I think it's a parable of the great and good judge of all the universe, God. What he did at Christmas time. How he stepped down. So let's take a look and a listen for that. Police Chief Renee Hall reacting to the conclusion of the Amber Geiger trial, saying that she is committed to making any changes that might have to result as a result of this trial. Yeah, WFAA's Rebecca Lopez has been covering the Dallas Police Department for decades. Rebecca, what's your takeaway from what you just heard? Well, clearly uh, there will be that huge internal affairs investigation, which we were uh, expecting was coming. Uh, there's been people in the community that have been calling for uh, the investigation into Sergeant Mike Mata's actions that day and some other actions of uh, police officers and did they follow their general orders. So that is not surprising. Now, some of what she said as far as not rendering aid, uh, that is stuff that is taught at the academy. There are already classes. So some of the stuff is already in the general orders. Now, did they follow them properly? That's going to be something, obviously, that they're going to want the Dallas police officers to perhaps uh, get refresher courses. Sometimes they add extra courses and things like that. But some of this stuff that she is talking about is already in place at the Dallas Police Department, and they have made great strides in dealing with officer-involved shootings uh, and, and been very public about dealing with some of those shootings. And pretty transparent. Chief David Brown made a lot of changes involving the community and, and also how they respond to officer-involved shootings. So some of this stuff is in place. Uh, are they following it? Well, that's the stuff that, that they're going to have to look at in internal affairs and who didn't follow the general orders. Now, I did earlier, we were talking a little bit about some of the video that was uh, shown in the courtroom or that we got in the courtroom uh, following the verdict. And some of the piece of video that I really wanted you guys to see is the video of... Um, of the judge. So let's go to this video of the judge because the judge also embraced Amber Geiger. She hugged her, she spoke to her, and then she handed her one of her own Bibles and said, this is your job now. You did something bad in one moment in time. What you do now matters. And she flipped to John 3.16 and instructed Amber to study it. It talks about God's love. And in my 30 years of covering law enforcement, again, I've never seen anything like this. Afterwards, Amber Geiger walked out of the courtroom uh, where she was taken into custody. Eventually, she will be transferred to a prison here in Texas. She will be transferred in handcuffs and shackles where she will begin her prison sentence, but today, at least here at the Dallas County Courthouse, she was extended grace and love by those uh, surrounding this trial. Back to you guys. Powerful, powerful image of what Christmas is all about. The great judge of all the universe steps down into time and space and becomes the shepherd who carries us home. It was, it's beautiful. I mean, the one difference is, you know, she had to live out that sentence 
But the good news with Jesus is you don't have to live out your death sentence. You don't need to live out your prison sentence. You are set free in Jesus. And so the very first thing God wants to do in your life this day is that you would truly just experience that love and that grace that was just pictured right here in, in a small way. But in a big way, would you experience the grace God has for you by trusting in Jesus, inviting Jesus to forgive you of all of your sin and your wrongs and to commit your life to following Jesus, making him what we call your, your Lord. It'll change your life. And then when that happens, uh, you, you've got to share that grace with other people, just like this judge did. And uh, how you share it is uh, in a few really important, critical, life-changing ways for somebody else. And first of all, it's make an invitation. Invite people to stuff. That's why we're adding a third Christmas Eve service this year. It's so that you could invite people to it. And next week, I'm hoping with Dory, we're going to take a moment and try to introduce to you, just profile how important it is to make that invitation and have those conversations with people. We good for that, Dory? Excellent. Okay, great. This is news to her, right? But the Christmas Eve services, that's going to be your easy way of doing this, okay? So we're going to give you a website. We're going to give you postcards to be able to invite people, friends and family here. You can be that herald. If you have been touched by the life-changing good news of Jesus, you get to share it with others by inviting them. But the other way is this. We can share it by reaching out in mission. Something's been growing in me over the last two or three weeks. Uh, It's sort of lights have been coming on. Uh, And it says, what if I told you, what if I told you, and I have told some people about this, by the way. What if I told you, though, that there's a motel here in Summerside where, I don't know, maybe two-thirds of the people that are in the rooms of that hotel in this off-tourist season are people who are there because they've been kicked out of their homes or they've been, their homes, uh, the places they were rented have been uh, closed down so they can be renovated and they're not going to be able to go back again. And they are living there long term. Some of these uh, families with children. What if I told you that there was a, a, a young mom who was recently separated from her partner who's living in a hotel room with four children, two children on one bed and sleeping with two children on another bed in that hotel? And what if I told you she only had a hot plate? In order to cook on. What kind of a Christmas, I kept thinking, would that be? And then, you know, listening to the stories of each person, each person, different stories, sometimes, uh, sometimes drug use, sometimes addiction that drove them to this place. But I'm, I'm just thinking out loud here, folks. What would it be like? Do you think Jesus might call us to adopt that motel this Christmas time and do something, do some things to be able to bless those people? to bless those families, no matter what their situation is. Do you think that that would be a way to share the good news of Jesus with them? And I'm just thinking, I'm just feeling called to that. And I want to hear from you, like whether, you know, if you have more questions, please tell me if you have thoughts about how we might be able to bless them. Let the Holy Spirit start to stir your imagination right now. What would good news look like to those families in that place? I think that's what God calls us to be, heralds who announce the good news. And you know what? I'm thinking that we can do something that just sort of blows their Christmas away this year and share the good news of Jesus with them as we do that.
when God shows up, the Bible says it, and I've seen it too, the blind see. I've seen people's eyes get opened to what life really means. Their eyes open to purpose. I've seen God heal. And uh, we're seeing stories of that already. I've seen prisoners get set free. You know, not maybe just prisoners who are behind bars, but prisoners like us who are in chains to our habits and our hang-ups and our hurts. I've seen God set people free. And just like he promised, I've seen the dead be raised to life again as God gives people a new life and a new lease on life and a new start. Praise God. That's why he came. Let's pray together. God, this day, I pray that you would truly help us to be able to experience the good news that you have for us. I pray, God, that you would help us to be able to share it with others. But now in these moments, just simply basking in how good you are and what you've done, we offer our praise and our worship and our days that follow our service to you. In Jesus' name, amen.